we want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the number is 82 Designs, 482 Designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82 Designs, at F-O-U-R, 82 Designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to F-O-U-R, 82 Designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's light years better than our first one. Also, we divide the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. Working Fans Podcast. Cool. Yep. All right. Here we go. Coming down. Three, two. back for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer, Joe, may likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter. That's at Fans Working. Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast, and for any ideas that you might have, that's workingfanswrestlingpod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram where you can keep up with us at workingfanswrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms, including anchor.fm. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out, and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. All right, everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast with AJ Strange Brew and the man they call Dave. And today we're back with AJ versus Dave. And I got a good one for you, AJ. Oh, my. Your favorites, the lightweights. Who is the better Who is the better junior heavyweight of all time? Rey Mysterio or Jushin Thunder Liger? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, wow. I'll let you just kick off. I mean, I got some feedback from some people we'll probably include in here, but let's hear what you got to say. It's a tough one. All right, so both of these guys, revolutionary in their styles. Both of them, obviously, great runs. But I like Jushin Liger better. Yeah, I know you do. (laughs) I know that's a big surprise. Not a big surprise to me. I know you very well. Jushin Liger, both of them, first of all, extremely long careers. Mm-hmm. Ray, I believe, is heading towards the, I want to say the 25, 26 year mark, maybe longer. Mm. Liger, I believe, started in the late 80s. Mm. So I know he re- recently retired, but you're talking about over a 30 year career. To me, Liger was the benchmark. He was the person who made lightweight wrestling interesting again. His matches that he had with Brad Armstrong, Brian Pillman, in Tom Zink early on in the light heavyweight division in WCW and then he continued to evolve through the years I mean I I have a soft spot for him 
he basically was a cartoon character come to life. And I think a lot of what Rey Mysterio, even though he came from Mexico, did with patterning some of the cartoon, because he used the Marvel, the cartoon oh, yeah. characters in his gear. Superheroes. That. I think if you were to ask him who some of his role models were, I'm pretty sure Liger would probably be on that list because mm. he, he did have a similar style. I think that Rey Mysterio, because he's been on WT, WWE TV, reached a lot, probably a farther audience. Sure. To be honest with you, Liger is literally considered as a god in Japan. And anytime he came to the States and did anything, it was a special occasion. What's your take, Dave? Okay, so I'm leaning towards Mysterio, but here's, let me, let me give you some background first. First off, before I say Rey's a legend in Mexico, to come on what you're saying too about Liger being a god in Japan. They have cartoons of him and some other wrestlers too. They have comic books, but Liger is one of those guys that he is just like, I would, I don't want to say Hogan-like over there, but he is very big in Japan, an um, absolute megastar. I would even say that Liger's popularity in Japan, I'm guessing, probably rivals Mysterio's popularity in Mexico. But not by, I'm saying, like, Ray's super popular in Mexico, but that's how popular Liger is in Japan. Yeah, I think he's probably second only right now. Uh, if I had to guess, probably second only to Anoki. I mean, obviously, mm. Muda's in that conversation. Yeah. You have that. For the legendary status, Yeah, I think Liger's probably second only to Anoki, maybe Bottle. Mysterio would probably, I mean, I'm thinking of famous wrestlers in Mexico. You got a few, though. Del Santo, you know, Paraguayo, even Conan's probably on that list. Uh, Conan is <laughs> huge. Yeah. Huge. You got to remember, he went at one time was a soap opera star and yeah. a wrestler at the same time. Yeah. In Mexico. I would say... But, but, but by no means a light heavyweight. No. I would say... Uh, the thing with Ray is, though, is that he was probably a decent star in Japan. Probably the equivalent to what Liger was in Mexico. We'll call that a wash. But you're right. Ultimately, he had the bigger platform. But not just in WWE. They were both in WCW. But I feel like that Mysterio shined a little more in WCW. He was obviously on there more. Yeah, he didn't have the run. Like you said, the early runs with Pillman and those guys. But his match with Milenko and even getting thrown like a lawn dart. <laughs> you know, these are all memorable things now and you know well, he just ECW run is ECW where he started in the United States yeah. when he first came over yes absolutely tremendous run and to be honest with you if you want to see great matches it's obviously a far different Rey Mysterio through ECW and WCW where he was much younger people forget how young he was what was he 14 when he started something like that yeah and, yeah. and, and his body you can see the mega difference between Rey Mysterio early 2000s WWE and Rey Mysterio when he was looked like he was maybe 110 pounds in ECW. Yeah, I mean, one of the things about like Ray too is a lot. I mean, obviously the big difference is he did have the WWE platform and he won the world title, which is unheard of, really. A guy his size winning now, the world wait, title. We, we need to talk about that world. Yeah, title. Yeah, I know he did. Well, actually, he held world title a couple times, even though one of them was a shorter reign. And I know the reign you want to talk about is that very first one he did. Do you think the first one happens if Eddie Guerrero doesn't pass away? Maybe not, but I mean, boy, they didn't do him any favors even. With the booking it was like the world champion lost almost all the matches it felt like at that point but that's but that's what i'm saying is that it's not like they were trying to get him over afterwards or mm -hmm. booking him strong as the world's champion they literally i think hey 
we want to reach out to this portion of the crowd who's upset that Eddie Guerrero just passed away. How can we make them happy? Let's put the belt on Rey Mysterio. Well, I'll tell you what, though. There's still something there. You know Vince wouldn't just do that anyway. You know what I mean? Like, no, he's, yeah. no, no, no. And yeah. I'm not saying he's not a draw. I'm not saying yeah. well, it, it, his believability is just not that of a world's champion. See, now that's what's interesting. Is <laughs> This is where I think a little bit of the biasness comes in here. <laughs> because that's... I, that's been your I problem, right? I wouldn't have put the world title on Liger either. No, I knew you wouldn't. <laughs> Uh, I'm not saying you're wrong, but it's just funny because that's one of the things about I've heard from a lot of wrestlers. I want to say like Edge, Batista, and everybody have talked about is that Rave, even despite his size, because of the stories he tells in the ring, actually becomes off believable. I think you would disagree with that, still because you always saw him, saw him as a small child, and you don't and, like short uh, people. No, for me, in order in order for Rey Mysterio to be believable in the ring, they basically had to turn it into a Three Stooges movie of accidents where the person eventually trips, falls on the ropes, and gets kicked in the face. Now, to be fair, too, for the audience doesn't know, AJ would have the same believability problem with Liger if Liger was beating bigger men yes. all the time. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. If you put Liger in there with the big show and are trying to convince me that he's going to beat the big show, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's going to be hard. <laughs> now, Even when Ray Mysterio was wrestling against an Olympic gold medalist, Kurt Angle, how the hell am I supposed to believe that? Much like last week, so you reached out to the people. And uh, obviously, like we do every week, this one was uh, not really close. But we everybody pretty much went with Mysterio. However, this was a lot more, much more. Uh, people didn't want to pick between these two. Now there was one guy who picked Liger, and he was our star of the show last week, <laughs> Mr. Scott from Ballantown. And I'm going to include a little bit of his stuff. He went so long, I'm not going to include everything. But he did pick Liger, and I just want to include the first part of this. I, this is how people feel about Liger and Ray. I just want to start by saying that I still hate you for making me choose between these all-time greats. <laughs> but I'll give you the short version. This was not a short version. He went with Liger because he said that the man's in-ring started when I could barely old enough to know what Thunder was. He created a shooting star press, even he created a shooting star press, even though Brock Lesnar perfected the move by landing directly on top of his head for maximum damage. <laughs> I never saw Liger pull that one off. He evolved from being an innovative high flyer into a mel more well-rounded grappler and storyteller. And we forgot to mention this. After he had a brain tumor surgery. Yeah. Yeah. And Scott also lets us know. He said, you know what I would do after having brain tumor removed? Probably not continue to work a sport where I might take shots in the head. <laughs> Maybe it was best he didn't try that Brock Lesnar shooting star press. <laughs> he also even had the balls to step in as a replacement to fight Minoru Suzuki in a legit shoot fight, Pancras. And he said it didn't go well for him, but I don't think I'd be crazy enough to fight Minoru Suzuki on life support. <laughs> so I'd love to see Rey Mysterio do that. I don't think Rey's going to do that either. <laughs> I mean, it's funny though. I've heard that Rey's not afraid to throw down with people if he had to. He's not crazy like Eddie was. Apparently, Eddie would like throw down with anybody, including Kurt Angle at one point yeah. over something. And they're like, Eddie, why did you try to take Kurt Angle? Down. He's an Olympic wrestler. <laughs> He's like, ah, I was pissed. <laughs> like I said, obviously we have respect for both of them. I agree with Scott. And it's great to actually have a voice of reason <laughs> in, in this sea of mediocrity. <laughs> At the end, most of us just felt that Ray ended up transcending what a cruiserweight was. That he ended up being the face of the cruiserweight and the light heavyweight. He did, 
but this debate was who is the better um, light heavyweight wrestler. I, would, I guess it depends on divine great. I should have been a little more specific. <laughs> I see what you're doing here. All right. Well, at the end of the day, I mean, look, I'll, I'll put Ray and Liger skills right up on each other all the time. Both great high flyers, technical wrestlers. Yes. Both can get it done on the mat. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day. Uh, Dave, at the end of the day, I agree with you. That, uh, you Ray was the biggest star. One yeah. A and one B. No yeah. matter which one you pick in this discussion, if you're talking about great light heavyweights of all time, I mean, we can have a discussion as to who transcended it. The original light heavyweight for me who transcended wrestling is Danny Hodge, the Dynamite Kid. <laughs> <laughs> the Dynamite Kid talking about assholes. <laughs> That's from a prior him, episode. <laughs> you had Tiger Mask. Then obviously you had Eddie and Benoit mm. before Benoit got juiced to the gills <laughs> where they wrestled as the Pegasus Kid and as, what was it, Black Cat? Is that what Eddie yeah. Guerrero wrestled as? Yes. And then to see, so obviously it transcended through the years. But when you talk about light heavyweights and you talk about the two greatest of all time and you're not talking about Brad Armstrong, then you gotta talk <laughs> About no one talks about Brad Armstrong. <laughs> he He's great. He's great. He is great. And, and when you listen to any wrestler from oh, yeah. that time period talk about who the great wrestlers are, almost everybody mentions Brad Armstrong. Sure, I understand this. However, when you talk about Liger and you talk about Rey Mysterio, my preference, obviously, is Liger. Scott's preference is Liger. The rest of you ninnies picked up Rey Mysterio. But, it, but it's 1A and 1B, and you can't lose with either one. All right, everybody. That's going to be it for the Working Fans Podcast. We're out. Hold on a second. All right, everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast with the man they call Dave. And today we got a guy who's been successful at a couple things. He is a BJJ purple belt. He's been in the Pan Am Games. And he was also trained by Johnny Wrestling. And he's part of MLW's Team Filthy right now. The one, the only, Dominic Garini. Dominic, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. Oh, not doing bad, sir. Not doing bad. Thank you. You know, I was curious. You know, usually we kind of start off like the beginning with wrestling, but you had such an extensive BJJ background. How did you get into BJJ? So, you get to something I got into. I, I wrestled here in high school. I was not a good wrestler in high school. I was pretty, pretty bad. One loss record, not very good. But I decided to stick around my old high school and help coach my coach, Brian Bell, for a former Olympian. And he had a lot of good connections for us and I got to hang out with Henry Sikundo before uh, for the UFC fights, who is now retired, but he was the double champion in the UFC, he was on 25, 165 pounds. And my dad's coach, I really wasn't doing much because I was going to college at the time. So I've been thinking about doing BJJ, and I, you know, for whatever reason, I got brought up when I was talking to Henry, and he told he kind of encouraged me to do it. So from there, I decided to kind of jump in the BJJ head on. When I first did it, it was mainly to, it was mainly to fight MMA. But about, I would say, a year in, I found competitive jiu-jitsu tournaments and whatnot, and it kind of shifted my focus from wanting to get a mid fighter into going to be a jiu-jitsu world champion for the most part. And that was kind of like my starting jiu-jitsu at that point. Henry Cejudo, that's an interesting name. Yeah, he's uh, you gave all the credentials right there for the people who don't know. Two weight class champion, UFC, gold medals Olympian. Do you think he could make the transition to pro wrestling? you think that's on his radar at all? I do think it's on his radar because he actually had a WWE trap before he decided to go into MMA. He was a guy that the WWE kind of had really courted. And there's always this rumor that Vince McMahon was one of his mighty-ass character for right. like 
40 years, and one of the guys that they had really thought to peg you know, a guy like this, that, you know, that character was Cejudo. So I think that, you know, you see him on AEW, and currently he has retired from the UFC. So I think he's a guy that has been so successful at everything he does that more than anything, I think Cejudo, once he gets so successful, stuff just gets bored with it. So I think he's bored with him at this point. So I could definitely see him trying to come now you make the transition from BJJ to pro wrestling. I see that Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae helped train you. How did that go? Were there other people involved? What was your training like for the pro wrestling side? So when I decided to make the transition over from BJJ to pro wrestling, I kind of learned during my time in Jiu-Jitsu to take your time, like, to really find what you feel is the best in training those people. I, you know, searched in my area and really it came down to no banner to go train with Johnny and Candice and also train with Absolute Intense Wrestling who's probably the top independent wrestling promotion in Ohio so you know Johnny has a background in speech herself and so does Candice so from there you know I started training and then you know I trained and then I ended up meeting AW promoters Chris Ryan, a.k.a. Chandler Biggins, and John Thorne. And those are these are two guys that were really essential in my training. Like, Johnny and Candace definitely did everything in rings, but, you know, John and Chandler really, really, you know, do such a great job of teaching me and the other kids, you know, the business side of pro wrestling, you know, finding bookings, getting yourself booked, how to really set yourself to promotion, character work, all that stuff. They were so key and essential in that. So I'd be remiss if I didn't mention them. And then throughout my journey, I've, I've, you know, I've kind of got many people I can say like secondary trainers or people who really helped me out a lot. Hot Sauce Trace Williams is a guy that helped me out immensely. We kind of bonded right off the rip when I met him at AIW and he kind of took him under his wing. And we had a, we had a number of matches and he's always a guy that I've, I've looked to for advice. And then over the last, you know, year and a half, Eric Stevens has been a very big help to me and, you know, full circle and now we're teammates in MLW. But, you know, Eric was a guy that I watched growing up in Ring of Honor. So for him to come back last year and have to create the relationship we did, it's been, it's been really awesome. Now, my producer Joe was telling me, like, he really liked the way, and it's not a shot at Evolve, but he really liked the way you were brought out in MLW. And I was thinking about this before I asked you about this. I want to ask you, like, Court seems to really, at least as a fan, it seems like he really loves the MMA and combat sports as well. Do you think the way Court presents you, given the fact that, you know, it seems like he's a fan of that stuff, that he's able to present you and have a better mindset about your character and who you are? A little bit. He gets who got me when I was involved, you know, obviously I had a much different bringing to evolve as, you know, the strictly half of the bodyguard character and then kind of transitioning like this fighter type character. You know, I would never say anything bad about Gabe because Gabe's, you know, been doing promoting now for 20 plus years, ECW, Ring of Honor, Evolve, Dragon Eagle, say all the great stuff that he's done. And, you know, he's, he, for the most part, Gabe is really a big revolutionary force in the, in the grappling aspect of American independent wrestling, pushing guys like Amy Richards, pushing guys like Kyle O'Reilly, really pushing that, and that early Evolve style, too. So I don't know if it was just that Gabe didn't necessarily get what he wanted out of me, but also, I think at the time, with Matt Riddle coming on so strong and evolved, it was probably rough to try to present almost two similar characters if they weren't in like a team together per se. Whereas when I came in MLW, I got the chance to work with not only Court, who's a massive, you know, martial arts fan and mixed martial arts fan for that matter. You know, Court and I we, we have a lot of sidebars just about MMA history and stuff. Yeah. And he's actually na- actually I think he said his neighbors with Campbell McLaren to start the initial UFC. So, you know, Court's always had a really big thing for Mr. Martial Arts, so you can definitely see kind of all the areas of it, and, you know, he sees me as, like, that jiu-jitsu player, and, you know, he brought up the fact of wearing the PWE, and 
I'm like 50, like, I, I love the idea of promoting jiu-jitsu out there. It makes some stuff difficult for me, but, you know, I mean, I'm more than willing to do whatever the company wants me to do. But also, you know, the D does give me a different presentation to everybody else, and we'll see. But at some point, you know, the E will have to go, but, you know, we're definitely at that point yet. So, but overall, court, I think, has such a good real handle on the distinct fighting styles that we're trying to push in MLW. And I think that also not only goes to court, but it also goes a lot to Loki, who helps out from behind the scenes. And, you know, Loki is very interactive in the terms of, you know, really wanting to settle out all these fighting styles that are at MLW. As well, George Carroll, who is a backstage guy at MLW, who, you know, was like New Japan for a number of years. Wanda for a number of years and really is kind of the driving force behind Red Dragon, Colorado, and Bobby Fish. He's been a massive help to me as well. Nah, that's really cool. You know, a lot of people in my uh, friend group were big MMA and pro wrestling fans. In fact, one of the guys, Scott, he was telling me, and for fans who don't know this, after uh, Mighty Mouse pulled off the mouse trap against Ray Borg, which is like a suplex into an armbar, essentially, when they're coming down, you pull them in the armbar, that he saw you do that on an independent show. And I was curious, do you get ideas sometimes like you? You know, you see things, whether it's MMA, Jiu-Jitsu, and go, okay, I want to try to incorporate that in my game. Obviously, you are doing that, but do you like you, are you still on the lookout for stuff like that sometimes? Yeah, I'm... I mean, I'm 100% always on the lookout for stuff like that. Obviously, you know, I call it the Mighty Mouse, you know, as like an homage to Demetrius Johnson. But when I came up with that and I, I did use that move, that was really from Gabe asking me for a kind of a new finish, a kind of like a cool finish. And that was the first thing I came from. So yeah, if I see anything really cool, like an MMA type fight, I really, I really try to incorporate it, especially from the grappling side. You know, I'm always watching the ADCC and, and GCIs to see what can I take from, you know, the grappling aspect and bring it in. And really just try to find, you know, anything that makes me different, you know. I would, I would argue to many people that I'm definitely not the most polished professional wrestler, but what makes me different or what makes me unique is just that I'm not a polished professional wrestler. I have that little bit of edge, the edge that looks like I'm a fighter, that looks like Maybe he doesn't know what he's doing, but that's because if he messes this up, he's just going to grab a room and he's going to snap it off. Absolutely. I think there's something to that. I mean, as a wrestling fan, I've been a wrestling fan for like 40-something years, and I would say I've really begun to enjoy the wrestlers who maybe aren't as polished sometimes. I like it to be a little clunky. You know, like, it looks... I, I want to suspend disbelief. I like that when it's not too smooth, I guess. For sure. Do you study, whether it was for BJJ or whether pro wrestling, you know, obviously for different reasons, but do you ever study tapes? Do you ever look back at old footage? Is that part of the process? I'm much less of a watch-my-own-tape kind of guy. I'm, like, an awkward perfectionist that really can never enjoy what I do. That is probably instilled in me from Gargano. Because in Johnny's 20-plus, or in Johnny's, you know, 10-plus year career, however long it's been, you know, when I was training with him, he only told me out of his whole career and piped out the matches that he only had three that he liked. And the one that he always bring up to me was him versus Shingo Takagi from 2013 WrestleMania weekend. And it was a phenomenal match. But I, for a while, I was very similar, man. Like, if I went back and watched my matches, I just dissect them to pick up every even little bit that I don't like to do. So for me, the better tape stage for me is to going back and finding stuff, um, either for an opponent that I'm going to work upcoming or, you know, from the past. Like, I'm really into watching old shoot style stuff, either VFI, Pro Wrestling Store, Yumi, things like that to try to take stuff like that and bring it into the Pro Wrestling game here in 2020 and, and you just see where we can go from there. 
And, you know, when I do my tagging stuff with Kevin Koo, usually him and I watch our matches, kind of figure out what we can do, where we can finish ourselves better, things like that. I heard that Bloodsport was coming back. I saw a tweet the other day. You had been a part of that before, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport. Any interest in trying to get on that show? Or Yeah, I mean, I'd love to be a part of it again. You know, obviously my last performance wasn't my favorite match ever. That detailed that, you know out in the public, uh, Phil Barney was not the easiest guy to work with, but mm. uh, he was a nice guy, he's not the easiest human being to work with, um, so, uh, you know, I, I had discussions about being on the sport when uh, on the camp of many weekends, so I gotta revisit and, you know, kind of ask some other people to hopefully maybe, you know, get on this one, but, you know, if I don't, you know, carry on pro wrestling based out of Jeffersonville, Indiana, has been a really kind of driving force in the bring shoot style wrestling back. We did last November, we did a full tournament of UWFI style rules, and they and they're now running UWFI style rules for almost every show. So um, I've kind of become the ace of that stuff for them, and they're doing a really good kind of shoot style revolution on that stuff. So besides sports, sports, they're going to be part of WrestleMania, or they're going to be part of the weekend. So I'll be with them on that. So I will definitely I will be doing a UWFI rules style match, you know, for PPW during Collective Weekend. Awesome, awesome. I had Kid Cash on the show once, and we were talking about his background. He did some boxing and some martial arts. And we were saying that we really feel like, for whatever reason, a lot of the hardcore MMA community, they don't really seem to respect the wrestlers for their toughness. Do you think it's because of the entertainment factor? Do you find that to be the case? Or what do you think about that? I think it's because the word fake gets thrown around in wrestling. More than anything, people, you know, it's fake, it's fake, it's fake. The only thing fake about wrestling, and this is what I tell people when I tell them I'm a wrestler, the only thing fake about it is that, you know, you know, like with me, you know, the doing. I would challenge any human being to go out and take a bump in the He never, he never loved as much as he should have been because he was just too nice of a guy. No, 
I agree. Uh, Frankie Edgar is another guy I think too that you know he, I think he comes from a different generation. So maybe he gets a little more respect from the older hardcores. But I think there's a guy you know who just kind of plows away and uh, you know he doesn't get as much uh, shine as say he had ran his mouth. You know, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of great. And I guess you know what we can create that again in the pro wrestling. What about you know guys from the past like a Brad Armstrong who maybe was great in the ring but couldn't cut the best promo, so it's only going to go so far. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I'm also under that. You know, I'm under that guy that I cannot Armstrong in the 2020 with the top five work rate guy in the Indies, or he can do no work for like an AEW or anything like that. He's not a man better, but he needs to do pretty well for himself. I wanted to ask you too. Like, before you got into pro wrestling, since you had such an extensive background in DJ, was there any, like, uh, injuries coming in that were nagging that you had to work around or any issues like that? Right away. So he's one 
one of the big training factors that I do now that makes me work so much. Um, and so from there, it's kind of all like broken down. But Tom and I talk daily. We talk about it. Me and Tom, for a while, we talk about it. And we talk about it. And so it's all that stuff. Actually, just before we started talking, I just saw a thing that looks like Mauro Renaro uh, is possibly parting ways with WWE, and I thought, man, how cool would it be to have his voice, you know, given all his boxing, MMA experience, pro wrestling experience, like an MLW. I, I hope if he ends up leaving, I think he'd be a great fit with you guys. Now, there's rumors MLW, well, not, not really rumors, they did a teaser, they're coming back in the fall, they are working on locations, I understand, anything, <laughs> anything you can tell us about that? Well, we did, we did we are going to we are going to do here, I believe in October, they just reached out to Alpha, I don't want to put out any other information, but I know that he should be back hopefully mid-October is our hope. That's so great to hear, we're big fans of MLW. Yo, is there a, you know, we'll wrap this up. Is there anything else you want to promote or talk about right now and where people can find you? Yeah, for social media, you guys can find me at E3DC, that's on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I do have one shirt available through the MLW shop. There's also a Team Focus shirt available through the MLW shop, so check those out. And then uh, my merchandise itself is available at E3.BigCartel.com. Awesome. Dom, thank you so much for taking time out to talk. I appreciate it. You're a cool guy. I'm a super big fan of MMA and pro wrestling. So I've been trying to get some MMA stuff on this pod for a while. So thanks for uh, coming in and uh, giving me some of that, man. I appreciate it. I hit that awake. We'll loop it. No. All right, I'm going to hit the music and then you'll know what's up. everybody welcome back for another week of the 531 where we take a top five list on a particular subject vote it down to a top three and then debate that top three down to a number one and this week since there's been so much new japan talk this week we're gonna do the top five iwgp champions dave how are you doing today I'm doing good, man. I've been actually cranking out some New Japan lately, too. So this is kind of fun for me. I've been going back, watching a few archive matches. I saw uh, Andre the Giant versus Stan Hansen the other day. Stan I, I thought that was versus Anoki. I watched that one, too. Oh, I okay. I, I wow. sent you one Anoki. Yeah, I also yeah. did Andre Hansen. Andre didn't have long matches. They're like 12, 13-minute matches. Yeah, no, you're not going to get a ton out. No. But our first list this week we're going to give you is from Jesse from New Hampshire. And he chose Brock Lesnar, Shinsuke Nakamura, Tanahashi, AJ Styles, mm. and Omega. 
Interested in Brock made his list. I thought about that too. Ultimately, I didn't feel like Brock had like that kind of run where it's that long in Japan. But if you look at him as an overall performer, he's definitely you know got to be one of the top performers to ever hold that title. Yeah, definitely, and adds legitimacy. No matter what you say, Brock adds legitimacy to any belt he holds. Yep. And I think we're going to see, I mean, we're definitely going to see is just these lists are going to skew newer. I mean, there'll be some older names on there, but I think we're going to see a lot of. I'm going to mention a name because maybe he's on yours. I didn't see him on any list. Scott Norton was an interesting guy to me that didn't make anybody's list. Because, you know, I don't know if he held it that long, but he was a big powerhouse, a WCW name. And when I was thinking about like former champs, like his name popped in my head. Not very prestigious, but I was wondering if he'd make this list. I feel like he's in that spot where he's not that popular, though. Yeah. And, you know, like, he's not you know, he, he's not that new. He's going to be, like, the non-popular Brock Lesnar if he shows right, up right, on any right. list. So who do you got for a first list? Sue Randy. Randy got us Kata. He's got us Vader, Nakamura, AJ Styles, and Kenny Omega. So he, he went pretty new on almost all those guys, with the exception, I would say, of uh, Vader. Yeah, I wish I had put Vader on my list, but it's one of those things. You're kind of picking a handful of champions, and not everybody's <clears throat> going to make it. Vader had a match I was watching on with Hanson, too, where he uh, Hanson knocked out Vader's eye. But yeah, they edited disgusting. it out there on the uh, English version. They do an English version, too, where Kevin Kelly gives you the insight about it and how Hanson was actually part of All Japan at that time, and it was a super card. And oh, okay. I wasn't aware of all that information, so I thought that was kind of cool. I believe I have the unedited version of that. Where I think you do. I think I came to your house one time, and you had it going on. And it's <laughs> it's gross eye. as fuck, yeah. Or yeah. Vader's eye. The next list I got is from Lee Canfield. He has Okada, Tanahashi, Anoki, Vader, and Nakamura. I, to me, that's by far, I think, the most versatile list i wanted to put anoki on my list just for the historical aspect of it was anoki the iwgp champion was that's it? what i wasn't sure of i yeah. know like hogan was i think hogan beat him early on yeah for it. but because there was a different version of the belt at one point there yeah there's been a couple different new japan belts but who do you got for your next list we got scott scott from voluntown yeah, get off your phone buddy hey i was gonna try to look this up oh, find out the information yeah. <laughs> you know I want to find out because I bet you Noki's going to make a few lists. Oh, shit, man. You should give me the Iggy. Uh, that's all right. You called me out on it. <laughs> tag team partner here. All right. So, Scott from Voluntown, he did send me a text, set me straight after that stink face comment, which I knew that was coming. I told him. I knew. I was waiting for you. Playing fast and loose with it. You <laughs> yeah, knew what was up. You knew it was up. He said, yeah, Dave, you got me. Yeah, triple threat match with Kurt Angle, Triple H, and I forget who else was in that that year. I think Steve Austin. And then he said, you know, triple threat TLC match. And, oh, yeah, Terry and Cat stink face match. <laughs> Had to have it as his number one. Yeah, see if Cat makes this list here. <laughs> we got Tanahashi, Okada, Muda. Give him credit for this one. I, don't, I haven't seen it on a lot of my lists, but uh, Tatsumi Fujinami and uh, Shinji Hashimoto. Yeah, I was surprised to see Hashimoto, too. Hashimoto uh, makes a few lists of mine there. Yeah. For those who don't know Hashimoto, uh, I remember watching that match. I think it was the collision in Korea years ago. Yeah. I want to say it was against Scott Norton, actually. And Eric Bischoff made the comment that, like, you don't realize how tough this guy is. He kind of looks like he's, like, you know, your pizza delivery boy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Which I don't know if he does. He just looks like he eats a lot of pizza. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, next list I have is from young Connor Elsie. He's got Okada, Omega, Chono. Tanahashi and Nakamura. Chono was a good inclusion in there. Another different name. Kind of like Vader and Anoki. We're finally starting to see like a little bit of variance in it. 
Yeah, I'm a fan of Chono uh, making the list. As um, Eric Bischoff used to call him, Masa, my hero Chono. <laughs> I was always a fan of Chono. And uh, one of the, uh, he used like, to use the mafia kick, if I remember correctly, too. That was like yeah. one of his favorite holds. Now, the next Strikes. list I have is from my brother. He has Okada, Styles, Muda, Nakamura, and Tanahashi. Now, I figured Okada or Okada, Nakamura, and Tanahashi would have, be on multiple people's list a lot of the times because of the rivalries they had over these titles. Yeah, they're definitely going to make a lot of lists. There's more lists I got coming. And I do want to say, for the record, Anoki was on that list. He was on he that was list. One of, I think it looks like he might have been the first. But yeah. Okay, that makes sense. It, yeah. It's tough with the early titles because they had different titles that came in. And it's all like 87, at least he held it. So. Okay. Makes sense. Okay, so let's go to Jake. Jake St. John, John, author, friend of the show. Yes, and he is a uh, big New Japan fan. That is his organization, as he says. Not AEW, not WWE, not NXT, New Japan. That's my boy. <laughs> now, uh, he put down Okada as his top champ. Tanahashi, Tatsuzi Fujinami again. Keijo Muto, also known as Muta. And Big Van Vader, Leon White, Baby Bull. It was good to see Vader get on another list. Yeah, Vader. He makes one more list of mine, too, coming up. Yeah. Oh, a couple more lists. Yeah, I was going to say, you got his brother Zach's list, right? I do. You want me to read that one now? Oh, yeah. All right, Vader ain't making this one, though. But uh, I'll tell you who is. Okada. Here's one I liked. Kensuke Sasaki. Okay. Yeah. Also known as the Power Warrior with Road Warrior Hawk. And married Hakira Hokutu, former WCW Women's Champion at one point, too. Okay, wow. Tatsumi Fujinami, Shinji Hasamoto, and Muto. I've only got my list left, but I'm going to do Lesnar, yep. Muda, Okada, Tanahashi, and I really like Naito. Like, his current reign I'm happy with, but it was more a couple of years ago when I saw him in New York. He was the IWGP champion when he was doing... Joint shows with New J- or with ROH, and I just I couldn't get enough of him around that time. So it's good to see him with the title again. He's not only a tremendous performer; he's a tremendous character. You know what's interesting? Uh, you had Lesnar too. Yes. What I was wondering is now Kurt Angle had the IWP title too for me. Yeah, I mean, he, there's another guy who's legitimate. He like had that. it. I, I guess it's just your flavor. Like I, pro- yeah. I probably could have put him. I was thinking of putting Hogan too because. Yeah. Like, to me, Hogan, he's a big deal growing up, sure. and just him being an IWGP champion. Yeah. I think Bret Hart had a version of the title. It wasn't the IWGP. Like, when I grew up as a kid, I think I read something about it, but it wasn't accurate. I think it's like whatever was another version of that title at one point. Unless he had the junior weight belt. But. He, I don't know if he would have had the junior. Owen might have, because Owen did do some wrestling with Tiger Mask. Oh, I'm very well aware that Owen... Had a much better uh, deal in Japan. But I uh, I thought Brett had that on his titles here. Just going to do a quick little search. Stay with us, fans. I think this will be some fun facts here. Uh, we got that. Uh, Are you using Wikipedia? Yeah, I know, I know. But it's a cheap shortcut. If it was listed on here, then. Cage match. I think that. Okay, Joe <laughs> giving me shit over here. <laughs> yeah, and, and magically it'll be like Dave. Dave's like, man, fuck Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> we might just keep all this in because yeah, why not? We're, it's fun banter. Yeah, we all right, Bret Hart. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the bitch of it. Is he got to zoom in for cage match? Mm-hmm. 
Where's the titles should be up near the top. Titles. Shit. You know, I'm not seeing any uh, Japanese titles. I probably read that in one of the old uh, K Fate mags, like PWI. Could be, or yeah, they could be. Could be any number of things. Yeah. Shame. All right, fuck Brett. Anyway, <laughs> I will give you AJ's list, actually. I think we got AJ and you left? Yeah. Or do AJ. you have any more? No, that's it. Me and All AJ. Right. All right, I'll do AJ first here. Uh, he got the Great Muda, Big Van Vader, Masa Mahiro Chono, Okada, and Tanahashi. So it's interesting where AJ, you notice he put Okada and Tanahashi towards the bottom. AJ more of a fan of, you know, guys like Muda and Vader and that time period. Yeah. I am too, but I think it's kind of hard. You can't really discredit discredit what okada did and so okada's number one on my list then i went tradition i went with muda then i went back to tanahashi you see i got a flip-flopped here a little bit yeah and then i finished up with vader and i also had to put hashimoto down because like what an interesting guy you know just a big old belly yeah, stiff kicks like, yeah. yeah talking to the mic baby <laughs> so i'm gonna say okada has to go on i think he's been on just about everyone yeah i feel like <laughs> Now it's interesting here, right? Like uh, everybody's been on almost everyone, so it you could have Okada, Tanahashi, Nakamura. We got, we got Okada. I'm saying this is what I'm noticing a lot. I'm saying Okada, Tanahashi, Muda, and Vader on a lot of lists here too. I have Vader. I'm just looking like right here. So, One, two, three, four, five. So we'll do Okada, Tanahashi moving on because they made the most lists. Yes, and let's let's do it between Muda and Vader. Okay. Both classic. Talk about picks. two different style wrestlers, though, right? Yeah. Muda with the flying and the strikes, and Vader with just a big old nasty bear, ground and pound. Yeah. Knock your eye out. Well, he had his eye knocked out. Actually. He did. He did. But he'll knock your eye out too. Oh, yeah, he could. He, he could fuck you up, <laughs> big boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... you're in danger. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, like. I mean, it's almost who do you like? Like, I personally would probably just go more with Muda. There's more showmanship. Yeah. I mean, as a fan, I'm a Vader guy. Like, I like Muda, but Vader, I just like he's one of the greatest super heavyweights of all time. I just love his work, especially early on. So physical. So beat your ass. Okay, since there's something different, let's put him in with Okada. And yeah, let's, yeah, let's do it. You know what? Yeah, why not? Because we got the other two guys. Let's put the Gaijin in there. So now we're down to a top three, and we have Okada, Tanahashi, and Vader. Well, I think this is going to be a classic, right? Vader's got to go, though, when we're talking about these other two, right? Cause That's true, because Okada and Tanahashi. They're like the, the two guys, really. They're yeah, like the guys that are like kind of like there. The I modern mean, flag bears. Tanahashi's the ace, and Okada's the guy who's like setting the records and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Nakamura would be like a third on that list. I think Nakamura would be there. If runs. Nakamura didn't leave... To go to WWE to do his thing there, I think we'd be talking about him in the same breath, possibly even more so. Yeah, almost like the new top three of New Japan. So yeah. Okada versus Tanahashi as champions. It to me it feels like an open and shut case just with what Okada's done with that title on the recent run yeah. and giving it such legitimacy. Yeah, and giving he's number one on everybody's list. Runs, too. The two matches with Omega. Like, if you look at this these lists, like Okada is number one on a lot of the lists. I have seven of my eight lists counted me. Okada's number one on. 
Lee Canfield, my brother, and Kana Elsie mel- mentioned him right off the bat. Yeah. Actually, and Tanahashi was for me, but that's, oh, okay. But still, way, you get it. Six hours. Yeah, Tanahashi was second on Lee's list. He's fourth on Connor's yeah. list. And even if this isn't their one through five, first on their mind is Okada. Most Tanahashi of these guys told me is Okada somewhere was down there. One. I, you know, Mike Flynn gave me some stuff to put down. Of course, I didn't because we were moving some stuff in a dumpster today. But that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> Joe broke a window in my house. But, you know, I, I <laughs> technically broke too. D- yeah, I did. That's okay though. <laughs> didn't get the door screwed back on. I mean, we got that couch we up did. the stairs, and that's like, all that mattered. And I paid him off for it too. Don't worry about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys could have seen getting that couch up the stairs, that yeah. was something else. Like yeah, we, we were should. Bu- we were bumping our ass off yeah. on that couch. We should have had somebody filming that. That would have been yeah. good Patreon material because, sure. I mean, unrelated to these lists, we launched a Patreon this week. We're just trying to think of uh, some material and some stuff. So Actually, let's if get anybody done, wants to like, let's get done with this list and let's do a little bonus after oh. this. So, Okada won this, right? Oh yeah. yeah okay, so Okada. Sorry, Tanahashi. Okada's you clear- ain't my ace. <laughs> Okada's clearly the winner. Not my president. <laughs> Not my ace. So I mean, I none of these were really bad picks, but I think just based on what Okada done with that, did with that modern run, yeah, really puts him at the top. Oh yeah, I'm surprised we didn't get more uh, Naito and AJ Styles. Yeah, I mean, even Kurt Angle for that matter. Yeah. But I mean, I think that was during his fucked up period, and it was. It happened during TNA. He had it the same time around Lesnar did. I think it's just more crazy that Lesnar held that belt. Yeah, because Lesnar pretty much is just a WWE guy. And I mean, Dave, you know what that music means. We you can find us out. at Fans Working on Twitter, Working Fans Wrestling Pod at Gmail Working Fans Podcast Facebook page. And you'll hear us talk about it. We got a Patreon. Oh, God. (laughs) Patreon.com slash working fans pod. So you know where to find us. And we'll talk to you later. Bye. All right. So that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast. Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week.